You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, boys and girls, to episode 169. 69, dudes. Of the Grave Plot Podcast, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Like I said, I did that joke last time, but I think we recorded over it. Yeah, yeah. Because I said it wrong. It's yeah. like, oh no, this is an episode one. It, it was. It wasn't the thing. Yeah, but I said it real sexy. It's like one sixty nine. Ow! You didn't say it like that. Sexy. <laughs> I think I probably did something similar on episode sixty nine. Oh, I'm sure we both did. <laughs> uh anyway so things may sound a little different we're recording remotely this episode yeah um because of the rona yeah we uh we, we don't have it no at least far, as far as we know but we we briefly talked about last episode how the the state was getting ready to go under a a soft lockdown super soft <laughs> super soft lockdown <laughs> and then just with the holiday and everything we figured better to be safe than sorry so here we are. Yeah, I I did see some family, not a lot of family, just you know people outside my home. So yeah, better safe than sorry, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll likely get back on track for the next episode, but just playing it safe this episode. So that would explain the sound difference. Uh, anyway, how you doing, Taylor? Good, and you? <laughs> not so bad. Uh, how was your turkey day? Uh, it, it was all right. It was just the two of us, but we still just made like a whole us. like the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Like that Will Smith song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we made a turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and biscuits and all that good stuff. We had like a little mini feast, and we're still eating leftovers. There you go. And you? Uh, yeah, I uh, got together with my, like I said, my family and um. Actually, my wife's parents came over, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of did the regular thing. I made the turkey. My mom so my, my, my mom was trying to talk us out of having, like, a Thanksgiving dinner just because she didn't want to make it. She's <laughs> um, like, if that's, if that's the hang-up, I'll make the turkey. Like, I, I can do that. It's fine. So, yeah, I went over to their place at, like, 10 in the morning to start the turkey. And then I think we ended up eating around like five or something like that. Um, and yeah, just had a little, little, little Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and uh, that's about it. I don't have any leftovers. I neglected to take some. But the turkey turned out quite good. And I was like upset that I didn't think to take any with me. Womp womp. I don't know. 
And I made the fucking thing. It's like, if anybody should be entitled to it, it should be me. Well, yeah. I'm saying. Cool. Anything else new? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just, you know, living in the the COVID world where we're not allowed to go outside, so. Too much fun. <laughs> Went to, uh, we, we, so it's just kind of been our tradition to go get our Christmas tree uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We've, far back as I can remember, we've always done that. Um, and in the last eight to ten years, maybe, we've always gone to this same tree farm out in Maple Valley. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd go there and, you know, there'd be people there, of course, but, um, you know, at any given time, there was probably less than 20 people there. And, you know, it's a relatively big farm. Uh, so it always seemed kind of, you know, sparse, but we pulled in there on Saturday and there must have been like 30 to 40 people there. It was nuts. I'd never seen that many people there, uh, at at one time. Um, and you know, we got there and they always have, they have the farm where you can go like cut down a tree and then they have pre-cut trees that they actually have a second farm elsewhere in the state that they truck pre-cuts in from. Um, and they've always got like mountains of these trees. They're just, you know, laying on the ground. Some of them are propped up on display, but most of them are just laying on the ground, uh, still all knitted up. And, you know, we got there and there were a fraction of those, those trees that they usually have. And, um, I don't know who specifically talked to the, uh, the, the owner. Uh, somebody in my family said that, uh, the day they opened was Black Friday and they say they said they said they sell about 600 trees in a season they said on black friday the day they opened they sold 300 trees are people just like afraid that they're are they oh they're making toilet paper that's what it is people are making their own toilet paper (laughs) well you know i hear pine trees make the best toilet paper (laughs) but seriously what's Um, why is so many people buying them so early this year I, I honestly have no idea. Um, I don't even know if they're buying them early. It may just be more people buying them. Yeah. Um, you know, you people are anxious for something to celebrate, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, people who would normally go out, you know, they're more, you know, social creatures and they'll go out and, you know, you know, take in the season elsewhere other than home. You know, now that people are stuck at home, I don't know, maybe they're trying to make their homes more festive than they usually were would. Um, that's the only thing I can guess. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we put up our decorations on Sunday. Saturday or Sunday. But we, we do always do a fake tree, so. Yeah. And actually, my my parents and, and my sister and brother-in-law are leaning that direction. I don't know. I mean, my parents are, you know, old. They're in their 60s, so they kind of have an excuse. I think my sister is just being a curmudgeon. (laughs) Um, But they're all like, oh, you know, one day you'll get to this point, too. 
It's like, I don't fucking think so. Not while I'm breathing. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, before we go any further, did want to make a special announcement on a, on a personal level. Uh, so we're about, uh, about four months or so in now, almost. Um, but, uh, my wife and I are expecting a new member of the family. Oh, you guys are getting another dog? (laughs) Yes, we're going to call him dog. (laughs) Dog the bounty hunter. (laughs) His middle name is his middle name is the Bounty Hunter. The Bounty Hunter. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have another member of the Graveplot family soon, in uh, like the week before my birthday. <laughs> is that when she's due? Huh? That's when she's due. What's in May. She business. Oh, Kristen. Yes, yes, she's due in May. <laughs> what? Who, who did you think I meant? Well, it's like my mom and Kristen and even my sister are throwing me so much shit because I don't, I don't want a girl. Like I just, I don't want a daughter. You don't get to pick. Like, you know that. I know I don't get to pick. Fuck's sake. (laughs) But I just, I've, I've never like, whatever I've pictured myself as a father, I've always just pictured myself having a, a son or sons. Never been a a daughter has never been a thing for me, um, and I don't personally think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's okay to prefer one or the, one over the other. Um, but you know, my my mom and my and, and my wife and, and my sister are all getting a real good chuckle out of throwing me shit over it. So they're just taking every opportunity to. <clears throat> I was like, oh, you know, this and th- uh, you know, this and this and this. Th- this, you know, things are going on in the pregnancy. This usually means a girl. It's like there's zero scientific basis for any of that. Just don't let her eat lemons. <laughs> Baby girl fertilizer. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah. So there's that. We were holding off on like kind of making the the, the larger announcement. Uh, just till we're like out of the first trimester, because that's when things tend to be a little rocky, right? Um, so we just wanted to make sure things weren't going to go awry before we uh, made the announcement. But you know, we're at that point now, so there we are. Mazel tov. Uh, thank, thank you. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what thank you is in Hebrew. Yeah, me neither. No, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's get on with the show, huh? Sure. Um, before we do the the things, the things that we do, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, the things that we do on this show. Uh, we want to thank the people that help make it happen. Over on Patreon, our grave diggers help support this show financially. Yeah, that was a nice crotch shot. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, our grave diggers are on Patreon. Help support the show financially. We don't <laughs> shoo me, shoo me. <laughs> um. Uh, but 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 I lost my train of thought. Patreon. 
Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> it's too bad there's no video of the show. No, it's not too bad. It's good that there's no video of this. Our Gravedigger is over on Patreon. Help support us financially. We don't have an expensive show, but it does cost money. And we don't have money. So you give us money, and then we make the show. It's like a job, but we just do whatever we want. Right. We're not beholden to anyone. Like right now, I could be like, hey, Patreon people, fuck you. (laughs) And he's gonna. And you'll still give us money. Because you're sheep. Because <laughs> you're beholden. I'm just kidding. Beholden these nuts. <laughs> All right. Pack it in. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Get this guy a fucking puppers. Um. I'd have a beer. Anyway, what? I'd have I'd have a beer. I'd have eight beers. I'd have eight beers. I'm in it to win it. Fuck, I'm hammered. <laughs> Shouldn't have driven here. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. Grave diggers. Grave diggers. <laughs> Taylor's derailing this whole fucking thing. With talking about his fucking balls. Uh, our grave diggers are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and Kevin Nesgoda. Thank you so much, guys, for all your help and your your contributions and and hand jobs and and whatnot. Right? Yep. You got the hand jobs, right? Yep. Uh, Taylor, if anybody else wants to give hand jobs, where can they go? <laughs> they can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Uh, get exclusive perks, including but not limited to Free tickets to this well, next year's virtual Grey Plot Film Fest. It's true. True story. You can go for free. Yep. Speaking uh, of which. For those for those of you who are not on Patreon, you can get your tickets at GreyPlotFilmFest.com. Uh, submissions are now officially closed, so me and Tony are going to start hammering on those and whittling them down to <laughs> bad choice of words. Um <laughs> Whittling it Just down the, on your horn. <laughs> whittling down the options to the films that will get shown. And uh yeah, and then we'll have a nice little uh four hour block of short films to show you and from the comfort of your own home, because it's Great Plot Film Fest three, home invasion. Yeah, see so we did a little thing there. We did a gimmick. That's cl- it's clever. Yeah, it's a gimmick. <laughs> <clears throat> Nito, how many how many entries do we end up with? I don't know. Okay. Sweet. Um <laughs> What's this Bruce Campbell thing? Oh, well, apparently he's got a new movie, which I I couldn't remember if we talked about it on the show or just texted about it, but you thought he had like retired from acting. But uh uh yeah, you know, it sure it sounded that way. Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was uh, if it was on the show or not. It may have just been texts or something. But yeah, he was on um, uh, Michael Rosenbaum's um, podcast, uh, Inside of You. 
Inside is what it's called. Um, and uh, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Oh, yes, he was just uh, you know, talking some serious shit just about the business in general. Uh, sure made it sound like he was done. I know he he made it pretty obvious in like in no really unclear words that he is done with the Evil Dead series as far as playing Ash. Um, you know, it's like Rosenbaum asked him, it's like, you know, what did you save like any iconic props from anything that you've ever done? Um, and he sure made it sound like he didn't. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he, um, like, you know, he asked him if he saved anything from like Evil Dead, obviously, or, you know, anything, any of his other big roles. And instead of saying that he saved like some kind of prop or, you know, piece of costume or something, he said, you know what I did is when I was out filming Briscoe County Jr., uh, for all you youngins back or out there, he was on a one season long Western show in the early 90s. It's kind of like Wild uh, West. Yeah. What? Wait, Wild Wild West, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, he was a, he's a bounty hunter, um, following in the footsteps of his father, R. Um, uh, Ermy, or Arlie Ermy. Arlie Ermy. Damn it. Sorry, I had a extra long day at work. Anyway, um, and eight but yeah, he's saying that like, hmm? and eight beers. Uh, I'd have eight beers. Fuck, I don't know. We're not having eight <laughs> beers right now. Um, yeah, so he said he was out in the desert filming Briscoe County, County Jr., and he's always been a real, um, he had, had a real interest in mining, uh, just the historical aspect of mining. And I guess he said that, like, some guy had told him that if he was ever out in that direction, that he, on his property, he has an access to an old mine shaft. And so he said that he went out to his mine shaft and found, like, I think it was like a, a piece of wood or something from, from the mine shaft itself, like a historical you know, 19th century mine. Um, and he said, like, he treasures that. And he, like, has nothing from... Well, he may. He just didn't say that he did. But he said, he, like, that's kind of what his tchotchke from his career is, you know? Um, Weird. He said his brother-in-law... Or maybe... I can't remember if it was his brother or brother-in-law has the shotgun from the original Evil Dead. And I said, I guess it's... He doesn't seem to have any other props from Evil Dead, which you know, I think, if anything, you'd keep something from that. But yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. Apparently, he's got some new movie with uh, him and him and Devin Sawa and Michael J. White. <laughs> That's quite the cast. Yeah, I'm I'm already sold. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's fucking go. Fucking Casper the Ghost and Spawn, man. Yeah, it's called Black Friday. It's about, like, Black Friday and a group of disgruntled toy store employees who have to defend themselves from legions of holiday shoppers when a mysterious alien parasite sends them on a murderous rampage. (laughs) Okay. Sounds like a sci-fi channel movie. I mean, couldn't be worse than, uh, what was the one, uh, Cave Aliens? That's the one that Bruce was in, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah. That was terrible. 
No, wasn't he in one called like Alien Invasion too, or something like that? Or Alien Autopsy? Was it Alien Autopsy? Was that him? I don't fucking know. Yeah, he's he's like, been in a lot him. of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like I love Bruce, but there's some of his shit that I just won't watch. <laughs> anyway, um, probably next Christmas, I would guess. Uh, hopefully, or maybe the one after that. Who knows? All right. Well, someday. Should we mosey on with the show? Get Let's... into some real stuff, some real shit, some real world horror. Uh, I see we did. So back when the world was normal, you know, you might go out on a casual day and take a nice casual walk through a casual park. And you expect to see things, you know, wildlife, a quiet pond, leaves fluttering through the air. Foilage. Foilage. (laughs) What you might not expect to see are human skeletal remains. Yeah, not so much. Unless you're on, like, uh, SVU or something. Then you might find it. If you're in Central Park, apparently. (laughs) According to SVU, Central Park is just full of dead bodies. Well, yeah. That's that's what I've learned from SVU. Just like how I learned (laughs) from Psych that Santa Barbara has a murder every week. Right. Which, you know, Santa Barbara is not a big town. (laughs) Not not particularly. People are just dying left and right. (laughs) Um, but such a thing happened in Berlin on November 8th. Uh, just, uh, you know, Joe Schmo walking through, uh, through a park, um, happened along, uh, a, a leg, was it a leg bone of, uh, of a human. Wait, no. Could have been made by an animal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, appears to be human bones. Um. Looks like the police originally thought that the there oh, so left left out the interesting part I guess yeah don't, you're burying the lead here ah <laughs> uh, too much fun okay just so, finding just finding a bone is like it's 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 weird and it's creepy that's a thing it, that's a thing it in and in and of itself is not real world horror worthy right what makes it horrific real world horrific is the fact that this leg bone had what appeared to be teeth marks on it. Yeah. Now you think, now you think, you might think what you're thinking right now is that <laughs> <laughs> you might think, you could think what you could what you might think is what you're probably thinking. <laughs> what you're probably thinking right now is that oh, somebody died and an animal got it. Sure, possible, happens all the time. Especially in like the the wilderness. Not typically in a park, but you know this is Germany. Things crazy things happen. <laughs> so I hear nowhere near Berlin. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the police originally thought the bite marks could have been made by an animal, but now, now, they are pretty sure that they are from a human, and that human is a forty-one-year-old high school math chemistry math and chemistry teacher. They really narrowed that down. (laughs) What if they made that 
made that assumption just by the teeth marks. Like they had some kind of teeth mark expert. It's like, well, based on these patterns here. Looking at the incisors, I'd say. (laughs) I'd say this person likely teaches math and maybe even chemistry. And or chemistry. (laughs) Uh, This man was arrested on suspicion of sexually motivated murder. Murder most foul. Uh, Cannibalism. Or, sorry. Sexually motivated murder and cannibalism, according to German police. Uh, They say the math teacher and the victim exchanged several conversations in a chat room on the Planet Romeo website. Are you familiar? I am not. Okay. From, From what I understand, it's like a German Tinder. Got it. Can you even have conversations on Tinder? I have no idea what you can do on Tinder, Tony. I mean, I've been out of the dating game for so long. I don't know what these kids are doing nowadays. Uh, <clears throat> Actually, I take website. that back. It's, it's more akin to a German grinder, to be more specific. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a man's bone. Yes. Presumably. Allegedly. Um, let's see. Uh, the website... Planet Romeo. The website Planet Romeo, despite the outcome, is not tied to cannibalism. (laughs) But it is good for hookups, a la a Tinder or your your, your Tinders and your Grinders. And your Bumbles and your uh, what have yous. Yes. What's Bumble? Uh, It's one where only the women can initiate conversation. Oh, right. Yeah, they talked all- about that on Letter Kitty. It's uh it's also the official jersey sponsor of the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay. <laughs> uh let's see. Isn't there a team that's sponsored by Cam Soda? I don't know. Not in the NBA. I could swear I remember seeing a team jersey with a Cam Soda patch on it. But I can't remember. Like, uh, um, it's probably fake. It's probably a uh, Photoshop. Yeah, it could be, but I'd like to think it isn't because I think <laughs> the world has gone crazy. <laughs> Make that money. Yeah. Uh, police used the information from the website to find the math teacher's home, where they found knives. You know, you never trust a man with knives. How many knives are on you right now? I don't have any knives on me right now, but I can tell you, I can get one real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They found knives, a bone cutting saw, commonly used by surgeons, and a larger cooler, uh, according to the German newspaper Bild. Investigators also found a 50-pound bag of sodium hydroxide, which can be used to dissolve flesh and body tissue. Uh, suspect told police he planned to use the chemical to make soap. Okay, Tyler Durden. <laughs> there you go. Well, at least Tyler Durden had the decency to get the fat from a, uh, a, uh, liposuction, liposuction place. He wasn't out killing people for their fat, for, for their delicious, uh, fat. He's killing them for their delicious bones and fat. Yes. 
Okay. Anyway, so uh, moral of the story, if you're going to eat people, don't leave bones in the park. Take them with you. Pack it in, pack it out. If you see something, say something. So we've seen a lot of uh, a, a broad swath of celebrities getting involved in horror lately that we probably wouldn't have initially expected. You know, Jordan Peele. Uh, 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 what's his name? Danny something or other. Uh, Danny McBride. That's the one. Seth uh, Rogen and uh, Evan Goldberg. Yeah. Uh, but mostly people in Hollywood... But now we're getting a horror thriller being produced, not created by, but produced by Jay-Z. The Hova. The Hova. Throw up the rock. Uh, It's called 40 Acres, and it's being developed for Netflix. It's an adaptation of a novel by Dwayne Alexander. It's described as a cross between Get Out and The Firm. The Firm. Um, I would have guessed that from the title. Yeah. It follows a civil rights attorney who must fight for survival when he's invited to join an elite black organization with a mind-blowing secret. Mind-blowing. It's going to blow your mind so hard. It's going to blow your mind out your ass. It's going to blow your mind grapes. (laughs) Uh, it's, be, it's being written by Chio Hudari Coker, who is a writer for Luke Cage, uh, who will also produce, along with Jay-Z, Aaron Kaplan, and James Lasseter. Uh, the author, Dwayne Alexander... Wait, author Smith. Who's Smith? He said it was written by Dwayne Alexander. Unless this is somebody named Author Smith. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But whoever Author Smith is, they will produce alongside... Mike Epps. Okay. <laughs> Why not? What was the the zombie movie that Mike Epps was in where he had the gold guns? Uh oh, that was one of the Resident Evil movies. That's what I thought. I think it was two or three. Yeah, I looked up Author Smith and I just got a bunch of authors the last name Smith, so I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Something must have been left out from the story. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, even like despite the popularity of Get Out and Us, um, I feel like the you know the black horror is um, still relatively untouched by yeah. modern filmmakers. Um, I mean, you know, you can go back and talk about black exploitation, but as far as um, black horror in, in a modern age is is not a, a it's not a broad genre. Um, so I mean, I get really skeptical when I hear about you know not 
film industry people getting involved in film. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds interesting at least. I haven't read the book obviously, but, um, okay. So, uh, Dwayne Alexander Smith is the author's name. Somehow Smith got cut off. Got it. Uh, definitely, there you go. definitely sounds like more in line with a thriller than like a straight up horror. Although we don't know what this mind blowing secret is. Yeah. Maybe they're like vampires or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they're led by Blackula. <laughs> Crossover. Why you got to go there? Um, What? Why you got to go there? Come on, black vampire. You've handed it to me on a silver platter here. Where was I supposed to go? Vampire in Brooklyn? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, if, if you think like, you know, it references get out and, you know, if you think about get out, even that is not like horror in its typical sense. It is more of a thriller. True. But it does get grouped in with horror. Um, so who knows? Could be cool. Could be. I mean, we'll have to wait and see who uh, like who gets put in the director's chair and who gets cast and what's not. But yeah, I mean, I right. I don't know the uh, I don't know the book either. So we'll just have to see. Throw up the rock, Hova. H to the Izzo. So you guys remember Predators. Or no, it was The Predator. That's the last one. Yeah, it stunk. It's it stinks. Um, <laughs> it stinks. Yeah, it was not good. It's really hoping for more. You know, not great, Bob. You know, they made Predator and Predator Two. You know, Predators obviously. You know, the upper echelon, the 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 golden standard for Predator movies. Um, Predator Two was pretty good. Wait, did um, you just say Predators is the gold standard? Predator. The original. Oh, okay. Apostrophe S. Predator is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because there is this, there's one called Predators, right? Isn't that the one with Adrian Brody? Yes. That was the yeah. one that Robert Rodriguez directed. Uh, had... I never saw that one. Oh, you didn't? No. Um, yeah, it was all right. I mean, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I didn't think it was, like, great. I didn't think it was going to, like, make the original pale in comparison. But I don't understand at all why people hated it so much. Um, I mean, you know, you've got an action cast led by Adrian Brody, which is kind of <laughs> like, what are you doing? But um, aside from that, it was pretty good. Um, so I, I don't know why people hated it so much. But then, you know, you get into The Predator, which had so much going for it and just sucked. <laughs> 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 I was so disappointed. Um, but, you know, 
Disney, now that they own uh, Fox. <laughs> they own Hollywood. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, Disney, like Hollywood is basically Disney and Sony now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so despite how shitty the last movie is, uh, Disney will not be stopped. They now own Fox Studios, which is now called 20th Century Studios. Um, and they will soon be developing Predator 5. Uh, they've got Dan Trachtenberg set to direct. You may know him from a little movie called 10 Cloverfield Lane. He directed that, I assume? Correct. Yeah, that was um, good. Predator 5 is going to be set in the past. Um, and it's going to focus on Native Americans before uh, American settlers came. So naturally, you're going to be featuring a an indigenous cast, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, that is cool. I hope they don't like fuck it up by like even casting like one white person as a as a native because <laughs> that is just that's just bad news, man. Just just don't do that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, like, you know, you know, you say it's set in the past. It's like, okay, well, you know, you think about the first Predator, which is in the past now. Um, and, I mean, they're all in the past now. Well, sure. Be you know what I mean. And, but this isn't even, like, around the same time. This is generations before that. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It would be interesting to see how different they represent the the predator aliens because you know obviously even in the first movie in the 80s they were a very advanced race yeah um but it would be interesting to see how different they are you know several hundred years in the past that's a good point yeah like are they less advanced than they were in the the arnold movies or I mean, they'd have to be, right? I mean, you'd think. I mean, if, if they had the same technology in 1983 that they had in, you know, the 1500s, that's kind of sad. <laughs> if they can't advance in 400 years, I mean, come on. Yeah, really. 300, 300 years. Right? 400. Um... Let's see. Trachtenberg revealed the the new Predator movie was set to be a surprise, one he's been working on for four years. So, I mean, the last movie isn't even four years old, so he's been planning this since even before that came out. Yeah. Um, in December last year, uh, Trachtenberg was developing a film with 20th Century Studios at the time called 20th Century Fox, of course. Um, oh wait, I'm so confused now. No. Okay. So yeah. So this was still 20th century studios after Disney bought them. Um, the movie was called skulls. Uh, it was written by Patrick Azon, who I'm not familiar with. And it was produced by longtime predator producer, John Davis. 
it's likely that Skulls, Skulls is Predator 5's working uh, title, since they tend to do that so they don't get found out by the press. Um, Skulls would follow a Comanche woman who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior. So there you go. So it looks like Patrick Azon likes to write one episode of different shows. Oh, good. He wrote one episode of Wayward Pines, one episode of Kingdom, one episode of Jack Ryan, and one episode of Treadstone, whatever Treadstone is. Not familiar. Me neither. But I think he's writing Predator 5. Okay. Well, there you go. Um... Yeah, I, I like the concept at least. It sounds interesting. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of um, uneasy about how Disney is going to run Fox. Yeah. Um, or, you know, basically how they're going to plot out those Fox properties. Um, you know, I, I had my concerns too, but at, as far as right now they haven't given me a lot of reason to be concerned if they're going to go in and change everything um i mean you know the 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 fact alone that they're making a predator movie says a lot Um, yeah that was my first thought too like i I, of course my mind immediately goes to disney animation and just this like cartoon predator (laughs) singing with teacups and stuff like Predator chasing around Pocahontas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, Ryan Reynolds has said that, like, you know, they're, he's kind of had this working relationship with Disney, <clears throat> discussing Deadpool 3 and his involvement in the ongoing, you know, MCU and he seems really on board with it. He says that Deadpool three will be rated R still. So it, you know, it's it's D- Disney owns it, but you know they're still letting 20th Century Studios be their own little thing. You know, yeah. yeah. So they, they, I'm not going to worry until there's something to worry about. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's been working on it for four years. Um, so I kind of wonder how far along with things he is. But, you know, you've got a director and a writer, so that's half it's a good start. There's a new uh, holiday film coming to Netflix, or maybe it's already out on Netflix, I'm not sure, uh, but it's called Alien Xmas. It's a uh, stop-motion holiday film, just like the old California Raisins or, uh, you know, Frosty and that elf. That elf. <laughs> you know my problem with that elf? His dream job was he wanted to be a dentist. Not a race car <laughs> driver, not a rocket scientist dentist pull your finger out of your ass you stupid elf <laughs> that's what i said i said pull your finger out of your ass 
Um, but the people behind Alien Xmas are none other than the Kyoto Brothers. Now, you may know the Kyoto Brothers for a little cult f- film called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's incredible. Yep. <laughs> is it? It is. I mean, so we've, we've, we did this as a, we were, did a video review for Killer Clowns as a Patreon exclusive. We have not done it on the show. Um, but I mean, to kind of sum things up, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why people love this movie so much. It's utterly like, ridiculous. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. Yeah, to each their own, I guess, but it's just, it's beyond me, I guess. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, that movie came out in 85, I think, 84, 85, uh, and there, there's been talks of a sequel for years, and while they were out doing press for Alien Xmas, they talked to comicbook.com and said that they're actually talking to Netflix about doing Killer Clowns 2. Uh... Wow. Interesting. I, 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 let's just say they spoke in unison, but they said, <laughs> <laughs> they said, we are talking to them. We're talking all the time. Get this. We've been trying to do a sequel since we made the film and fans get angry with us. We don't mention it too much because they get angry. They say, oh, what's the matter with you guys? But we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> the business is just a bear moves at a glacial pace. There's interest and it wanes and flows. You get some executives who really want to do it, and then all of a sudden, musical chairs. This guy talks in in rhyme. like It's like he's <laughs> doing a poem. Uh, they're out. A new regime is in, and they don't get it. We'll see how Alien Xmas does with the Netflix people. We'll see if they can embrace our sensibility. We have tons of ideas to really carry that through. I'm amazed that it has stood the test of time, that it's multi-generational now. Parents who liked it show it to their kids. The kids like it. They show it to their friends. See what I mean? He talks like in... <laughs> <laughs> like he's doing a prose or something they get married and they have kids i am floored that it has lasted as long as it has so there'll be hopefully something in the future bro same i don't know how this movie's been so popular for so long <clears throat> uh you know aside from them having uh, a relationship with netflix already because of alien xmas i've kind of surprised that this didn't find a more appropriate element like shutter or something yeah but you know dance with the one that brung you i guess yeah i suppose so he says like oh we have tons of ideas to really carry that through and it's like the the plot line of the original isn't exactly super deep (laughs) yeah you could like (laughs) write the script to a second movie on a napkin yeah, it's it's basically just clowns doing goofy shit that kills people. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know all the all the weird goofy shit that uh, clowns do. Make those things into something that would kill someone, and then you've got a movie. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then you just have some teenagers like trying to figure it out. Yep, because <laughs> teenagers will save the world. That's usually how it goes, right? <laughs> Supposedly. Help save the youth of America from exploding. That's a less than Jake song. So, Tony, you excited for Killer Clowns 2 or what? 
nah, bro. <laughs> like, I liked the first one, and I'm not really interested in a sequel. <laughs> I don't I just don't know how or you know what purpose a sequel would serve. Yeah, you know there's that's, that's the thing. There are movies, the, there are movies the, out there that get these sequels, and it's just like, but, but why? Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That movie really kind of just stands alone on its own. I didn't come out of that movie being like, but what happened next? Right. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert: all of the clowns were dead. So you'd have to have brand new clowns coming from whatever fucking planet. Uh, and it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people would be expecting to see their favorites from the original movie, but they're dead. And there's no legitimate way to bring them back to life. No. I mean, you could like have, you know, like the alien's family or something comes down to look for them or something. I don't know. Also, oh, it's a vengeance plot. <laughs> I'm pitching in the room here. <laughs> well, stop it. I don't know. We'll see. I I don't I don't really expect this to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, it hasn't happened in over 30 years, so <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. Oh my god, Joaquin Phoenix. It seems like he's going insane. Joaquin Phoenix has lost it. Joaquin Phoenix is going on over the edge. So, Ari Aster, the man who's taking the horror world by storm, sort of. With three-hour-long epics. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, his... You know, I feel like his movies are polarizing. You know, you either hate him or you love him. Yeah. Um, I haven't really met many people that are in the in the middle, um, but What's I mean Ari Aster. He's if you if the ring, name does not ring a bell, he directed uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, yeah, like Taylor said, you know these three hour fucking movies that have a lot more like not speaking or non speaking points than actual like dialogue. Um, but they're fun. I mean, well, not like they're not. They're not fun. No, they're not. They're not I wouldn't they're, say they're fun. They're really. They're like deeply disturbing. Yeah, and fun in that way. I mean, yeah. If you're fucked up like we are, then sh- I guess you could call it exactly. fun. But we're talking to our people here. You know, the, the people that actually listen to this show. Both of them. <laughs> Um. Anyway, so yeah, he's working on his next film, as you do. Um. Apparently, uh, he's courting uh Joaquin Phoenix to uh, be the lead role in his ne- uh, new movie, uh, titled "Bo Is Afraid." Um, it's being described as a surrealist horror film. You don't say. <laughs> So he's really uh, stepping or, out of his comfort level there. Right. Well, you know, stick with what works. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I just got, I'll spend the rest of the episode just spouting off like dad phrases. Um, 
let's see. Uh, Bo's Afraid is being described as a surrealist horror movie that will reportedly center around an extremely anxious but pleasant-looking man named Bo. Is Joaquin Phoenix pleasant-looking? I don't know. I tell you, I can't stop staring at that hair lip. Yeah, same. I feel like he's had it his entire... Well, I mean, he has had it in his entire life, and that's seriously the only thing I look at when I see him. But what about in her? I don't like the stare. Huh? What about in her when he had the mustache? When he had the mustache? Well, sure. I mean, you think of somebody like Stacey Keach, who had a very serious hair lip. You know, had a mustache most of his life, and you couldn't see it. I didn't know Stacey Keach had a hair lip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only ever seen him with a mustache. Well, you never fucking met one before? <laughs> That's all they um, fucking talk about. <laughs> um, I'll, you know, um, there was that one movie that he was in. I don't know. Stacey Keach? No. Joaquin uh, Phoenix. That was, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s. Jennifer Connelly was in it. Something about the Abbots. Oh, Keeping Up with the the Abbots? I don't think that's right. Anyway, what about it? Anyway, uh, I don't know. I I feel like I remember my sister seeing that movie and then getting all hot and bothered over Joaquin Phoenix. Inventing the Abbots. Inventing the Abbots, that's what it was. And uh, I remember me, my dad, and my brother all just be like, what? What? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, but supposedly pleasant looking man named Bo, who has a fraught relationship with his overbearing mother due to the absence of a father he never met. You know, did you see Joker? No. He is not pleasant looking in that. (laughs) I mean, I think that was the idea, but still. To, to this day, I still think of him as River Phoenix's brother. Sure, yeah. Even though he's had a much longer career at this point. Yeah. And I would say more <laughs> successful. Yeah, more or less. I mean, what, what were River Phoenix's triumphs? I mean... Stand By Me. Uh, Stand By Me and... And Young Indy. Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't even play him in the TV show. He played him for about... 15 minutes in the second in the third movie <laughs> anyway uh Bo learns of the death of his mother under mysterious circumstances upon traveling home ma- oh, sorry and upon traveling home makes an alarming discovery about his past during his journey he runs into various crazy supernatural threats yeah that reads like an Ari Aster movie yeah I mean it almost reads like a sequel to hereditary yeah, right? As I say, he likes to make movies about creepy family things. Yeah. Like creepy family traditions and relationships. It's his shtick. It's his gimmick. Uh, the project will be written, directed, and produced by Ari Aster through his Square Pig production company banner. Uh, there's currently no distributor attached to the film, but it's very likely that A24 will uh, be willing to acquire it. Um a24 uh, as you may know put out both hereditary and midsummer and this is kind of right up their alley they they put like they're kind of the house for these independent horrors yeah um you know 
even to their fault, these elevated horror movies. Um, so there's that. Could be cool. Could be cool, yeah. I mean, I'm willing, I, I'm know, willing to give Ari Aster the, the benefit of the doubt at this point. I think he's earned that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I saw Hereditary. Or actually, before I saw Hereditary, I'm like, you know what? This looks like it's in the vein of The Witch, which I hated. But I watched it anyway, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking good. And then, you know, Midsummer came out, and I was like, um, okay. Hereditary was good. But again, this looks like it's going to be like something like The Witch, where it's going to be this highbrow, elevated horror bullshit. And to an extent it was, but, you know, not where it's got its head, you know, planted firmly in its own ass. Um, so, yeah, like, like you said, you know, I think Ari Aster's kind of earned his bones a little bit. Uh, earned respect for me, at the very least. Um and uh, I'll be willing to give this a shot, as long as he hires an editor. Because I'm not, I'm not watching a four and a half hour long movie. <laughs> what if that was his thing? Like his movies just got progressively longer. The director's cut of Midsummer is four and a half hours. Oh yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not gonna watch that. I can't imagine there being that much more interesting stuff in there. No, not really. Like, I, I, you know, in the three hours or however long. That I watched, I feel like it pretty well covered everything. Yeah. But anyway, did you know Max like loved Hereditary but hated Midsummer? Uh, I didn't, but I think a lot of people felt that way. Really? I feel like they're just so well, similar in a lot of hated. ways. Yeah. I mean, I definitely I preferred know. Hereditary, but yeah, same. And, you know, I actually know a lot of people that are vice versa. A lot of people that didn't like Hereditary, uh, but like Midsummer. So. Weird. I feel like, I tonal, know, like tonally and mood and stuff, they're so similar. They are very similar, but I don't know. Maybe just the theme itself. I guess. So, finally, at long last, after much waiting and back and forth and start and stop, The Last of Us TV show is finally going to be a real thing. Hey! Uh, It's been picked up by HBO. Game creator Neil Druckmann will co-write the series along with Chernobyl creator Craig Mazin. Good, good. That's, uh, That's quite the pairing. I bet it's going to be on HBO Max. Um, maybe. I mean, you know, I think uh, you know, with Game of Thrones gone, that they might be looking for something to fill that spot. That's true. So hard to say. I mean, it'll end up on HBO Max anyway, but yeah, eventually. Uh, the number of episodes ordered have not been named. Um, for those of you who haven't played the games, Last of Us takes place when a cataclysmic event causes the fall of modern civilization. A man named Joel is hired to take a young girl named Ellie out of a quarantine zone to safety. What follows is a brutal fight for survival that is as emotionally driven as it is action-oriented. 
no word yet on when the series will go into production. Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be a while. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they've been talking about this for years. A long time. Like, basically since the first uh, game came out. Yeah. Long enough to where they were talking about uh, Ellen, uh, excuse me, Elliot Page playing Ellie. Well, I um, I read somewhere that the the look of Ellie was actually based on Elliot Page. Well, there you go. But um, Elliot Page is too old now. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because um, Ellie is what fifteen in the game. Uh, thereabouts, I think. Um. But yeah, I mean that just goes to show how long they've been talking about this. Yeah. Like I don't know how old Elliot Page is, but um, I, not not fifteen. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was even that. He. I think she was. I mean, quite a bit older than. Sorry, he. Excuse me. Uh, I think he was quite a bit older than he was playing in Juno, in which he was playing a you know. 15 16 year old girl right uh 33 sentence (laughs) (laughs) she he's 33 yeah wow i thought he was a lot more or i thought he was a lot younger than us more more younger not that much (laughs) anyway i I remember we talked about this before and i don't remember if it was like a rumor of someone else picking it up or what, what exactly the reason we were talking about it was, but we kind of did some, some fantasy casting. I don't remember who we talked about. Oh, they had some names. I remember Maisie Williams at one point was talked about for Ellie. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. I think she's, she's too old now too. Too old at this point. Yeah. I think we talked about Gerard Butler for, for Joel. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could definitely see that. Jetty. Um, Especially now. Huh? Jetty. Jerry, Jerry Butler. <laughs> um, you know who might be good is um, uh, fuck, what's her name? Um, oh, son of a bitch, I can't remember it. Who who is she? she God, the only movie I can think of right now is that movie, uh, with um Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Here comes Paul. No. <laughs> God no! That was Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, uh, fuck! What was that movie? I can't even remember what the name of the movie was called. Oh, uh, just go with it. That's what it was. Just you, you go just go with it. With it, it had Brooklyn Decker in it. That I remember well. Um, Bailey Madison. Bailey Madison. Of course she's 21 now so even she's too old um i mean it's it's the obvious pick but what about millie bobby brown sure yeah she's uh she's i mean she, even in the first season of stranger things she was really good but she's come a very long way we watched um, en- enola holmes the other day have you watched that yeah i watched it i didn't not like so it. bad you didn't like it, it? <laughs> She's really liked it, but I, I just didn't care for it. I thought it was kind of boring. I mean, I definitely think it was not made for me. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, Kristen liked it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I mean, I wasn't gonna, you know, write home about it, but um, well, yeah, I don't have anything bad to say about it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, there you go. Um, I don't, I, yeah, really, I don't really know a lot of, uh, early teenage actresses. Yeah. I mean, they, they come up so, you know, few and far between that it's really hard to, you know, I mean, you'd really have to kind of pick one out of obscurity, kind of like you did with Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. I mean, um, I know she had kind of a career in, in England, I think made mainly stage stuff or maybe she had like a couple of roles on TV. But nobody knew who the fuck she was until she did Stranger Things. Yeah. For Joel, uh, what about Dylan McDermott? I don't know. Is he nice in real life? Yeah. Hmm. Good. (laughs) Oh, old jokes. Are they ever truly old? Not if we never stop telling them. <laughs> hey, Taylor. Are you enjoying your shrimp? <laughs> yeah, got any gum? <laughs> Tony. Uh, Tony. Okay. Tony. Yes. Yeah, Taylor. Were you a fan of Sugarfoot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sugarfoot. Hit <laughs> <Ha-cha! laughs> Sing the Sugarfoot song with me. Ah, Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot. <laughs> oh, classic. Anyway, so that's going to do it for Hard Business, guys. Done with that. Did, did, did you know that? Did you know that, Taylor? Did you know I, it? I heard, yeah. Um, okay, so I lost my train of thought. Uh, onwards. And upwards. This is terrible. To infinity and beyond. To the reviews! All right, so we have two movies. I think I said, did we start recording before I said that I watched the wrong movies? I don't know. Oh, well, if we weren't recording yet, I rewatched the wrong movies at first. So I had to watch these ones at the last minute. <clears throat> anyway, um, so yeah, two movies that have absolutely nothing to do with each other. No, but they're both new. They are both new, and that's about it. Um, Taylor, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with The Dark and the Wicked. Your mama, 
just saying things. She would sit right beside him, just whispering. But she wasn't talking to him. We found it in her pocket. She didn't believe in God. What does it matter whether he believed? I found Mom's diary. What if she saw something out there? I told y'all not to come. There are things in this world, horrible things, wicked, and they come for whoever they want. I saw something. She wasn't crazy. Do you smell him? He's close now. He's not out there. He's already here. I'm starting with this one because I'm going to fucking stumble through this. <laughs> I already know because there's no plot details on Wikipedia. Uh, and I watched this in three stages. Oh, good. Yeah. I watched it in two, so maybe I'll be a little help. Um, so, oh, also, I'm going to go ahead and just say this right up front. Uh, I'm definitely going to have to give stuff away about this movie. I'll try to not reveal any like major plot points, but there's no way to get through this review without giving away some major details. So if, if you're a real stickler for spoilers, then maybe go watch it first. Um, otherwise just listen up. (laughs) So this is written and directed by Brian Boitano. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or Brian Bertino. Sorry. As he likes to be called. <laughs> As, that's his uh, his Hollywood name because he doesn't want people to know that he's gone from figure skating to making Hollywood films. <laughs> uh, this movie is about Louise and Michael, who their father has fallen ill. He is on his deathbed. He is on his last legs. And their mother... She's on Death's Door! Yep. Like the, like that one movie. Yeah. Uh, and their mother. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. Or talk to me. <laughs> that's that's ripe for a drunken cinema. Oh, I know, right? We've got so many drunken cinemas we need to do, and you know what? The Rona <laughs> and, just and fucking fucking COVID. So, Louise and Michael, their dad is on death's door. He's he's got one foot in the grave already and their mother yeah. is do they taking... ever actually say what's wrong with him uh he's sick good okay <laughs> and their mother is taking care of him and she is just not having a good time the stress of dealing with him is weighing on her and then on top of all of that their house is haunted so correct um, yeah, we get this cold open of her just kind of like having to deal with things and 
uh, I, like a chair moves on its own, which just that's that's your lead in to telling you that the house is haunted. Yeah, and then you but see her. We know that spooky things are going on. Spooky things are afoot. And then we see her chopping vegetables, and it's like a straight out of a reach, just chopping and chopping. <laughs> yeah, they definitely stole it from they reach. <laughs> they definitely did. Um, and then she uh, she chops her fingers off. And then, then uh, as you do, she continues to chop the chunks of fingers. Well, you know, don't start a job you can't finish. Well, yeah. Like, clearly the fingers are for the salad she's making or whatever. Naturally. You don't want to choke, so you chop them up real fine. Yeah. For the babies. Yeah. Or the dying husband. Or something. <laughs> so this is the point. I don't know where, what we're saying right now. <laughs> this is the point where Louise and Michael show up to kind of help out around the the farm that their parents live on, because obviously something's wrong with mom, and dad is of course half half dead, mostly dead. To blame. <laughs> um, Which we all know means to buff. Uh, eventually mom just can't take it anymore and she hangs herself in the barn. As you do. <laughs> um, Michael and Louise start experiencing all kinds of like weird supernatural, uh, goings on. Um, and they eventually find their mom's journal, which basically just says like, you know the 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 devil is already here, and you know uh, all kinds of spookiness is abounding. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, "Well, mom was fucking crazy." And they also find these this collection of little uh, um, crosses, crucifixes is the word I was looking for. Um, Technically, it's not a crucifix, but I thought it, I thought they were. I thought they were little crucifixes. Crucifix has Jesus on it. I thought I thought Jesus was on it. Was he? I thought so. I thought they had words on it. Oh, maybe that's what it was. But eventually, they find out that this priest had given her all these crosses, uh, played by uh, the guy who played. What was his name on The Walking Dead? Was it Jeremy or Joshua? Oh, I don't remember. Joshua sounds right. Yeah, I think it was Joshua. Um, Xander Berkeley. Yeah, he he plays this priest, and they sit down and talk to him, and he, you know, he says, well, "I don't really know anything about that," and, but he does say that there's you know some kind of presence in the house, and that you know they ask him, "Is is the devil coming?" And he's like, "Oh, he's already here." You should probably right. leave, but they don't. Because their dad is dead. And they, they call a doctor to come, you know, clear their dad so they can take him to a hospital. And he's like, he, he won't make it. Like, if, if you take him off this oxygen right now, he's going to die almost immediately. And they're like, whatever, just let us do it. And the guy's like, you know, I, I took an oath. I cannot just let you kill this man. Right. <clears throat> but... Yeah, um... um it's 
so much of this movie is like these things are going on and it's like you know i love my parents i, w- I would do a-, a lot for them but i don't know that if one of them was on their deathbed and i was afraid of for my own life if i would hang out <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like in uh um uh, fucking Amityville Horror when the house tells them to get out and they just kind of stay there. Like, no, no. Just, you know, go. Because something bad is going to happen. Was that who? There was some comedian. I think it might have been Chris Rock. Eddie they were Murphy. talking about... Was it Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Talk, it's hilarious. <laughs> talking about, like... If it was a black family in Amityville Horror, which would have been like, oh, you know, I really like this house and I like the staircase over here and everything. Get out. But, you know, we can't stay. So (laughs) (laughs) he talks about poltergeist. It's like, oh, Mr. Johnson, you know, did you make an attempt to get your daughter out of the TV? (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm a man and everything. I tried to change the channel, but uh, shit didn't work. So. Anyway. Anyways, they start they start getting haunted by their dad who's not dead yet, which is weird. Yeah, this guy is the most resilient almost dead guy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he keeps getting out of bed too is is amazing. Yeah, creeping uh, on his daughter in the shower. <laughs> it's basically just a lot of creepy stuff that happens. Basically, yeah. There's really not a whole lot of story here, um, and I, you know, I, I don't say that as a negative because you know uh, Stanley Kubrick made one of the best movies ever that was just a bunch of creepy stuff that happened. So, <laughs> yeah, it really kind of feels like uh, Brian Boitano was just like, "Hey, I've got these really creepy visuals in my head, and I want to make them into a movie." <laughs> pretty much yeah um it's not that it was like disjointed or like it didn't make sense no <clears throat> it's just that the plot wasn't especially thick i mean you know you've got these these siblings trying to care for their parents um and yeah some evil things telling them to leave very insistently and they don't leave and so Worse and worse things ha- start happening. Um, Although at one point, when the the possessed priest he was he showed up and he was telling him to come outside, which I thought was weird. Yeah, I mean, I think probably try, just trying to get them to leave the house. I guess so. It seemed but, like he would have yeah, wanted I mean, to be inside, though. I just, as far as like, you know, we have to presume, let's just, for argument's sake, presume this was the devil, because it wasn't really clear on exactly what this entity was. So let's just say it's the devil. (laughs) I don't know exactly what the devil wants with this old man, because clearly that's why whatever it is is hanging out at the house. And doesn't want anybody else to interfere, so that's why he keeps trying to, you know, why 
keeps trying to get everyone that comes near out of the house. I just that that was kind of a miss, and like if it was explained in the movie, I totally missed it. Uh, yeah, same here. I don't remember them ever like really saying why any of this stuff was happening. I don't remember anything that like would have triggered a possession. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like he was never really possessed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's implied at times that people are possessed, or that they're just that it's like a demon posing as them. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I the impression that I got. They were just like uh, fabrications, you know, mind tricks. Yeah, but but at, again, like there's there's nothing implying what would have made this demon or devil or whatever it is, why it was there or what it wanted. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I was a demon or, or whatever, hanging out, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to take this guy's soul as soon as he dies. So I'll just, he, he's, he's on death's door. So I'll just kind of hang out for a bit. But then people kept coming around trying to, you know, keep him alive and all this and that. I'm like, you know, there are other things I could be doing. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people have died by now. I could have probably taken their souls. You just kind of you got you know you got to do a cost reward type thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. There must have been something. You know, a, a grander scheme that just went over my head. But. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I mean, you know, I I mentioned or I alluded to The Shining earlier, and it's it is kind of similar in a lot of ways. Uh, it's just instead of having this big sprawling hotel, they're just in this tiny little farmhouse. Mm-hmm. But you know, you do have these like creepy people or demons or whatever they are showing up, and you know, saying spooky stuff. <laughs> you know, as they do. And I'll tell you what, though, if you're into naked old ladies, oh boy, do I have a scene do I have for a you? Treat for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's some good visuals. Um, you know, there, there's a scene where uh, whatever it is, or yeah, so so, uh, so when when the mom hangs herself out in the barn. It scares off all of their goats. Um, you know, they, they break free of their uh, pen and just scurry off into the into the wild blue yonder. And later on, we see one goat come hopping back, missing a leg. You know, bleeding. <laughs> um, and after Michael finds the goat, they, you know, he and, what's the daughter's name? Louise. Louise. He and Louise go out to try and find the rest because there must have been like a few dozen of them. And, um, just find this trail of, you know, goat carcasses. And so, I mean, the visual, while it wasn't like overly grotesque or anything like that, it was still pretty cool. 
um, you know, when, uh, when, when their mom, yeah, cut all her fingers off. That was good. Um, yeah, that was pretty gnarly. And, you know, there, there's a lot of creepy scenes. It's not just the gore. The, there are creepy scenes um, throughout the movie. But, you know, the plot itself was pretty, pretty thin. And there wasn't a lot to go on. It's really easy to kind of, you know, look away and suddenly feel lost because you aren't really sure what happened, if anything. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like we said at the top, these kind of movies are, that's kind of the the whole thing of it. Like, they're they're usually not real heavy on plot and they're usually just a a lot of kind of uh, disturbing things. They're more about mood and uh, ambiance and tension and stuff, which I think this this movie pretty much nailed in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, you definitely felt the isolation of these of these two basically stuck out their parents' farm. I mean, not necessarily stuck because they were they could have left at any point, which you know they should have. Yeah, but um, they just they just wouldn't leave their dad. Right. But anyway. I don't know. Do you really, do you have anything else to discuss about this? I mean, I can definitely see this movie being polarizing because uh, it it's not very engaging for the most part because it's not something that just you know keeps you guessing what the next you know where the story is going to lead because again, there's there's not much of a story there. So it's basically just you're waiting for the next creepy thing. Yeah, but like I said, basically. I. I I think it uh, for being this kind of film, for it being a, a ghost film and and a uh, supernatural film, I think it does a good job of keeping up that tension and that mood. So if you're into that kind of movie, this is a good one. But I also understand why a lot of people are not into that kind of movie because they want more story or they want more... Uh, I mean, you you said there's you know some of the visuals are good, but it's not a gory movie by any means. Although there are there are some parts that are pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah, especially that part at the end. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I I don't know what happened there. I didn't fully understand why why that happened, but I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But, um. Yeah, I mean, I think people that are into, uh, you know, like Ari Aster movies or, um, yeah, what was that one movie? Um, uh, it comes, it comes at night. Yeah. People who enjoyed that would would probably enjoy this. Although this was actually a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, it it definitely has that like it's it's not quite to the level of what people call elevated horror. It's not um it's not super pretentious. Right. But it it is more about mood than it is about a story. Right. So anyway, up to you how you feel about that. But me I I you know, I like a um a good tense movie that um, just kind of 
never really lets up on the dread, you know? Um, yeah. And like I said, I, th- I thought this did it with aplomb. So, uh, aplomb, huh? Yeah. You like that? Uh, so I'm going to give it a seven. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the, the dread was palpable. Um, he's trying to outword me now. <laughs> um, it was effervescent. Effervescent. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, like the, the, the dread was, uh, pretty unforgiving. You know, you always felt like something was just like on the verge of happening, something terrible. Um, and it kind of never let up. Um, but like you said, the, the plot itself was really thin. I don't know how much it needed a very, you know, um, detail, laden plot yeah um, i don't know what you could have done movie like i don't know i don't know what they could have done to really add anything to the story yeah um but i mean that's not to say it's like it seemed like it was a lot of just scenes of people being creeped out yeah um but like i said before you know the visuals were interesting um uh, and the plot that was there was was not super engaging, but you know, fine. Um, I'll give it a six. All right. So there you go. That one's available on VOD. Um, coming and- coming to Shutter next year. Yeah. God damn it! Like I looked at Just Watch. Uh, to find out where I could watch it. And I saw it was on Shutter, so I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. So I go pull it up, and I go to play it, and it plays the trailer. Like, no, yeah, it, that's not what I want. It and has it, a Shutter page. See, it, says, it has a Shutter page already, but it says coming 2021 on it. Yeah, exactly. I, I noticed that after the fact. So, anyway. Um, yeah, so if you have a Shutter membership, like you already should, then you can just watch it for free. In, later you know um, yeah we don't know when next year 2021 sometime but if you can't wait it's like 6.99 on all major providers so seems a little steep for a rental i thought so too but oh well what are you gonna do yeah you know, and that's because the next movie is on netflix and i didn't have to pay anything for it that movie uh, is Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. Is anybody in there? Grab my hand. Wait there, I'll go get help. What I want is for all of you to treat this camp as a kind of holiday. We will have fun. We're going to make some new friends. I'm four also. At the same time, we will analyze our problems. It's going to be a week full of adventures, so much fun and opportunities. My name is Isa. I'll be the leader of your group then. Well, off we go now. 
Did you know in Poland, 15,000 people disappear every year, a third of them in the woods? Guess we're contributing to the stats this year. Bartek, Anila, you two will stay here in the event that Daniel returns. Don't go anywhere. Are we clear? Myself and Zoja will look around nearby. But it's private property. We aren't allowed to go in. Nobody's home. I say we go back, okay? So, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight is a 2020 film. Came out this year. Hey, Taylor. Taylor. Are you Polish? I am not. If I was, I would be able to pronounce this. Well, uh, <laughs> Or something. Or something to that effect. Let's see. Are you trying to pull it up to make it make your phone say it? Yeah. Man, just none of none of those look like words. <laughs> the direct translation is nobody will sleep in the forest today. Oh. Not not tonight. Although I'm pretty sure Nick is night. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like it should be. This is written and directed by. What? Do it again. That's what I said. That. <laughs> That's exactly what I got down soon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods tonight, for those of you at home. Uh, it's directed by Bartosz M. Kowalski. Uh, written and directed by him. Um, and stars a bunch of Polish actors that are, you know, American uh, listener base probably is not familiar with. Unless they are, in fact, Polish. So it's, it stars a bunch of Polish actors uh, and two American dubbers. Because I swear to God, what? every... Every man in this movie sounds exactly the same, and every woman in this movie sounds exactly the same. You think? I guess I, I do really, think. Because I didn't really uh, analyze it that closely, but except for the mailman, the mailman is the only one that sounds different. <laughs> well, the movie starts out, uh, you know, thirty years in the past. Um, we have a mailman. Riding his bike up to a house to deliver the post. Inside the house, we find an old woman uh, who is just scrubbing the life out of some bloody clothing. Um, as he's approaching the house, uh, the mailman hears this. M- 
I just scared the shit out of myself. How so? So I have my blinds like halfway down, but I leaned forward and then I looked up and I saw my reflection and I thought somebody was looking at my fucking window. (laughs) Your fourth floor window. (laughs) There's a balcony out there. They could have climbed up. Anywho, um, yeah, so the mailman, he hears this moaning, these sounds of distress coming from underneath the house. So he goes. It's all like, oh, (laughs) sounded like a cat when I get his window or tail caught in the window. "Ah, I'm sorry. Uh. He goes and sees this, um, you know, either like a window or a vent or something like in the in the basement of the house that's all boarded up. And this is where the sound's coming from. And he's like, hey, you know, just stay quiet and I'll try to help you. So he pulls these boards off and, you know, he's like, "Okay, come here. You know, give me your hand. He's like reaching inside the basement and uh, he starts to get. Or he gets pulled in. Whoa, almost fell out of my chair. Uh, he gets pulled in. You were uh, getting too too animated with the pantomime there. <laughs> well, this chair is such a piece of shit. Like, it's a it's an office chair, and you know how they have those little bars that you pull in or out to make it recline? Yeah. The, the bar does not stay. So sometimes oh. <laughs> it'll just pop out, and I'll go, like... Like, I won't necessarily fall out of the chair... But I'll fall backwards and think I'm falling out of the chair. <laughs> I uh, have knocked things off of my desk many a time. Anyway, uh, my my office chair is meant to hold 150 pounds, and I am more than that. Right. And like the lever on that is it's like low to the ground, so sometimes if I like tuck my feet under myself, I'll I'll hit it with my foot. Mm-hmm. And so then the, the chair will just drop. And every time I'm just like, well, this is it. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, so this mailman gets pulled under the house and he, um, I think, kind of crawls his way out. But his legs have been severed. Right? It's like our real world horror story. Right. We brought it back around. Oh, sorry. Sorry. He's... Dragged into the basement and eaten alive. Presumably. Or so you led to think. Right. Um, then we jump ahead 30 years. Um, a bus full of kids are being sent to Camp Adrenaline, which is a no-technology-allowed camp um, for people, for kids that are have basically become addicted to uh, technology. You know, Adrenaline! In my soul, something, something, Cody Rhodes. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, kids that can't get their, you know, faces off of Facebook or uh, Instagram or whatever, you know, the kids that never look up from their phones or, you know, stuck to their, their, uh, their games and their, their devices, their knickknacks. Well, some of them are, like, legit influencers. Like, the one kid says he has, like, 900,000 followers on Twitch or whatever. Yeah, he said he was, like, a, you know, second second best in Poland and was going to be going to Korea for a gaming competition or something like that. 
Yeah, he said he was ranked second in all of Poland at video games. Just, just all, all video them. games. <laughs> all the video games. Um. So, uh, kids get off the bus. They they immediately have all their technology confiscated, all their phones, their tablets, everything. Um, which you know, knowing that this is a horror movie, you can immediately see that this is a bad idea. Um, and it's going to bite everyone in the ass. Um, <clears throat> after kind of this orientation by this very, very, uh, excited camp, uh, leader, I guess, um, all the kids are numbered off into groups. Um, and, uh, this may move yeah, movie focuses mainly on group four, um, which consists of uh, our main girl, um, uh, Zosha. Then we have uh, Aniela, who is kind of the, she's not even ditzy, but just the kind of the, the free spirit, as she calls herself. She's the, the model type. Right. <clears throat> um, then we have our geeky, kind of dopey character, Ulick. Uh, then we have Daniel, who's kind of our, our jock. Yep. And then we have Bartek, who's kind of, who is our other male character who, who's, uh, closeted gay. Um, but he, like, because of Poland's kind of conservative nature, he's closeted and covers up for his, uh, homosexuality with, you know, being kind of an asshole to everyone um so and then their counselor i guess their their group yeah. leader uh miss itza itza pizza yep that's what they call her <laughs> um, uh so i guess almost immediately i think it's the same day they got there they go off on a trek into the woods, uh, a three-day hike, a three-day hike, of, you know, camping and just exploring the woods. Um, yeah, and so you know, it goes about as well as you'd expect. You know, four, five technology-obsessed teenagers um, hiking in the woods. I mean, you can imagine that going over like a turd in a punch bowl. But they're trying to make the Gross. best of it. Tony? Ew. Sorry for the turn the punch bowl. Um, so they're walking along, they're walking along, and um, uh, Ulick goes off to Rockapis and um, discovers this uh, Is that elk, right? Yeah, is a, is a rotting like a rotting elk corpse or you know a deer of some sort, um, and actually I guess I kind of skipped over part here where so we're back at the house from the beginning of the movie, um, and we see the same old woman uh, dragging a, like a boar, like a like is a that wild pig or something. I, th- I think that's what it was. Uh, trying to drag it into this basement, um, 
and she, she gets the basement door open. She's trying to drag this thing and she falls down the stairs. In the darkness, we see whatever, you know, whatever's in, in the basement grab this pig or whatever it was and drag it into the, into the black. Um, and then this old lady's laying at the bottom of the stairs and kind of thinks she might, she might be dead at first, but she actually wakes up just in time to see whatever this is living in the basement, uh, do something to her, kill her in one sort or another, something squishy. We don't know what, because it happens <laughs> off screen. Yeah, ate her? <laughs> um, but we do know blood was involved because there was a lot of sloppy noises. So sloppy. So sloppy. Um, so, back on their hike. Er, so, it, Sorry. We see that this creature living in the basement is actually a man. A big, fat man. <laughs> who's just covered in boils. It's pretty foul. Yeah, it's um, gross. Uh, and he, you know, escapes the house and leads off into the woods. Um, these kids are off on, you know, still off on their hike. Um, Itza said that um, it was unlikely that a hunter did you know, mangled that deer corpse the way it did. It was likely some kind of predator. We, as the viewer, know it was whatever escaped from this, uh, or whatever person escaped from this basement. Or um, thing. So, I mean, most of this movie is just primarily uh, these kids being kind of picked off one by one by this man, whoever he may be, um, and them trying to survive. Um, and I, I mean, I, I guess without explaining the plot in detail, it's, it's about as far in as I can get. Um, yeah. Uh, very, very much a classic slasher film. Very you by know. the numbers. Yeah, lot very tropey, which isn't a bad thing. You know, no, like, like we've we've talked about that. before how how slasher films are like one of the subgenres that you don't really need to stray very far from yeah. the the norm. Yeah, I mean, we, I, mean um, I think Friday the Thirteenth, which this thing draws the most inspiration from. In my opinion, uh, we've we've made that point specifically about making more Friday Thirteenth movies. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to to write a new movie or you know new Friday Thirteenth. Yeah, like Jason, I mean it's impossible not to. Uh, it's impossible not to draw a correlation to Wrong Turn too. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that kind of backwoods, um, you know, mutant vibe. Uh, we also get like um, kind of like a, an outbreak pandemic um, or not, not pandemic, but like, a, you know, something coming from outer space and, and infecting people. We get even a little taste of that. Yeah. A little Night of the Comet-ish. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it, this clearly drew a lot of inspiration from, like, these 80s movies. Um, and, you know, maybe even back to, you know, the, the 50s, I'd say. Um, but... but I, did you I, see I, this? I, is This is, like, the first Polish slasher? I didn't know. Yeah, it's, like, the first slasher ever made in Poland. Well, how about that? Isn't that something? That is something. Um, that is weird, wild stuff. <laughs> so, what do you think, Taylor? Uh it's it's good, not great. It, um, like I said, definitely by the numbers, very tropey, um, which again isn't bad. But uh, I didn't find the killers all that engaging. Um, I think with a slasher, you need to have killers that people not relate to, but that people can kind of, uh, you know, understand why they are the way they are. And I feel like we didn't really get that. They're just, they're just freaks. Yeah. I mean, we, we did get a backstory, but right. But no motivation. Um, yeah. Um, It was very just kind of like, oh, well, this is the way it is, so deal with it. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, you know, for something in real life, then yeah, that kind of shit happens all the time. It's like, oh, right, well, this is how it is, and I guess I've just got to fucking deal with this now. <laughs> <laughs> but in movies, you kind of expect a little more explanation and substance, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, like you look at Michael Myers and his, you know, in the original, he was, his motivation was never really explained. Although it was, I guess, in part two, but. Right. Um, And, you know, like to compare it to things like Halloween or Friday the 13th or even um, um, Wrong Turn, you know, those movies to varying, varying degrees have a legacy behind them. Um, so, you know, these are characters we've kind of familiarized ourselves with. Um, whereas these new characters don't really have that benefit. These are the new kids on the block and we don't really know much about them. Um, you know, you think of like, I mean, I'll go back to Jason, you know, in, in the first movie, he was just some kid that was presumed dead and he drowned in the lake. Don't really know much about him. Um, Aside from him being like, you know, special needs. In the second movie, still don't really know much about him other than he's just some maniac in the woods. Right. Um, you know, it wasn't until that franchise started kind of building up that we got really familiarized with Jason as a character, you know, to, to where he is now. And the same thing with, with Michael Myers, I think. You know, in the first movie, he didn't even have, well, he had a name, but... You know, he was referred to as the shape. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not necessarily comparing these guys. Oh, oops. Spoiler. Well, is that a spoiler? Are you talking about the, the killers? Well, the mentioning that there's two of them, because you don't really know that right off the bat. Oh, yeah, well, whatever. It's out there now. I mean, yeah, you know, in the beginning of the movie leads you to believe that there's one of these, you know, mutated freaks 
stalking the woods and not too long after you find out that there's actually two of them. So. Yeah. Both played by the same guy. Really? Yeah. Michael huh. Zabroya. I, mean, I guess it makes sense. They're roughly the same size, but I guess because they big were boys. on screen at the same time. Big boys. Yeah, real big. Um, but anyway, so, you know, you've got a cast of, um, you know, I guess teenagers or, you know, maybe very young 20s, you know, people just out of their teens, I think. They actually seemed like teenagers. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, to some American movies where they cast people in their mid 30s to play teenagers and it's obvious yeah hey fellow kids (laughs) yeah you've got a 16 year old boy with a five o'clock shadow right here um but uh overall the i mean the cast did pretty well um uh zosha i think she played the 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 kind of final girl role pretty well I didn't um, think the characters were that engaging either. Like, you don't really know anything about them other than that they're, like, obsessed with technology. But, like, Zosha clearly seems to have some kind of dark past, but you never really get any specifics on it. Well, I mean, they kind of they kind of glaze over it. Probably, they probably don't ex- explain... See, what they don't do, I feel like they don't explain why she's at this camp. Because I mean, they don't really explain why for... any of them are. Well, I mean, this camp's for people, for kids that have become obsessed with technology, presumably. I mean, that seems like to be the marketing point of the of the whole camp. But Zosha, out of all of them, doesn't really seem like that type. So I don't yeah, know that's true. what brought her there. Um, yeah, she definitely seems like an outsider. And, and they don't really explain, like you said, why she's there. Right. Um. But I mean, I think out of all the characters, I, I, I mean, by design, obviously, but I think I liked her the most. Um, you know, yeah, you you don't get a lot of backstory for these characters, but ultimately, you don't really need it. Um, I mean, most of them are cannon fodder anyway. Yeah. Um, I was definitely thrown off by the dub too. Like I said, I thought all the characters sounded the same, and I don't know what it is, but dub actors just are terrible. Like they're they're always just so bad at like portraying the right emotion and stuff. They're just so flat. See, I I personally thought this was actually one of the better dubs that I've seen. I don't watch um, a lot of dubs, so maybe that's why. But I mean, I've seen some really shitty dubs before. Um, this one seemed decent have i told you the donald Faison dub story yes although i don't remember it oh he they talked about on their podcast that he was saying that there's like that basically dub actors get assigned an actor so it's anytime donald Faison gets dubbed it's by this one guy and this guy has right. like a really high voice <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do remember talking about that. I think I was like, so, thinking, so people in other countries think that's what I sound like. <laughs> I think 
probably in the same conversation I told you about all the different Batman voices from around the around the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The same guy did like I think it's in Spain, like he did the same he did voices for all of the Batmans, like going back to Michael Keaton or something like that. Like even the animated ones. So Batman, even though he's had different faces, has always sounded the same in Spain. <laughs> That's gotta anyway. be confusing. It's like, wow, uh, how do they always get actors that sound the same? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to harp on this. I just overall, it was it was pretty good, especially for I I don't know if this was this director's first movie or not. Um, it was but, his first slasher. I'll tell you that. Sure, yeah. Um, let's see. So it looks like he's he's done a few things. Looks like um, some TV and a lot of short films. First feature, though. I don't think it was his first feature, but it, it looks like this might have been like his first. No, not even his first horror, but you know, this this is done very well on Netflix. I was reading that this is like, you know, apparently one of the most watched movies. Uh, like it's in its top ten. Netflix is like Netflix America. It's like top ten most watch, watched movies. Yeah, um, since its release. So, um, you know, it's obviously very popular. It's gained some notoriety. Um, I actually just discovered this by accident. I was, I wasn't even looking for something for the show. I just happened to see the trailer while I was cruising through Netflix one day. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. It was, it was pretty good. Um, it, uh, I, th- I feel like it was on par and this sounds a little pretentious to say, but I'd say it was on par with a lot of American horror movies. Yeah, um, especially slashers. Particularly, yeah, particularly slashers. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add? Not really. The look of the killers was, I mean, it's nothing like earth shattering or really super iconic or anything, but they, they looked very gross. Um, the the whatever look they were going for they definitely achieved because like I said it was it was very kind of disturbing to look it was hard to look at them because you just kept waiting for one of those boils to just pop right I'm kind of surprised they didn't that would have been a good uh, good visual add on yeah <laughs> anyway um, okay I guess we will kind of wrap things up here um, yeah I mean I. I, I don't know that this is going to be in like my slasher rotation, but um, overall, I'd say it was pretty good. Um, like you said, the 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 killers themselves are kind of I don't know. It sounds mean to say forgettable, but you know there wasn't a lot to them. 
Um, I mean, he didn't have like anything like iconic, like a mask or, or you know a, a particular weapon that they use to really commit them to memory. Um, but you know, this leaves things wide open for a sequel. Oh, for sure. Um, In like so, the most you know, typical slasher way, too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, maybe we'll get more of that kind of stuff in a sequel where they kind of hone things in a little bit. Yeah. But overall, this was a, a, a solid effort, I'll say. Um, I'll give it a seven. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Sweet. All right. Well, that's it, guys. The end. That's going to do it. The end of episode one. 69 69 69 dudes okay so um hope you enjoyed yourselves um if not i don't care yeah fuck you about it (laughs) don't don't tweet at me i don't care don't at me tell your fucking mom i don't care um no i mean like i'm i remember being able to get these sounding pretty good when we were doing it you know months ago i just hope i can remember what i did to make them sound good yeah um so we'll see uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh hopefully our our regularly scheduled program um it's gonna be our our first ever hanukkah episode Maybe our last. Who knows? And, and probably our last. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure Unless these are the only two. Yeah. I mean, only one of these really is Hanukkah horror. The other one is just Jewish horror. Right. Which, you know, there's, I don't know, a very small handful of Jewish horror out there. I guess yeah. we probably could have saved Jerusalem for that. But <laughs> we already did that one. Um, yeah. So what are we going to what are we going to be watching, Taylor? Uh, we're going to be watching The Gollum, which is actually from the director of Jerusalem, uh, as well as it is, in fact, uh, as well as Hanukkah featuring the late, great Sid Haig. Yes, sir. And Dick Miller. Big Dick Miller. R. Big R. Dick Miller. Um, yep. Got to decide if I'm going to rewatch these or not. MPJ Souls also oh, yeah. is in it. Okay, so and uh, apparently Kane Hodder was the stunt coordinator, so you just got people all over the place. There you go. Okay, guys. So in a couple of weeks, we will uh, talk to you about those and a whole slew of um, uh, probably not horror business. You know, I was gonna say festive horror business, but it probably won't be. It rarely is. Oh no, it it probably won't be. <laughs> Um, so then until then, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you listen to your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore plot. And of course, check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast as well as graveplotfilmfest.com. Get your tickets now. Tickets now. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's actually Saturday. Yeah. (laughs) 
February 6th, 2021. Tony's dying. He's got corona. Don't say that. Okay. So all that fun and more in two weeks, guys. Uh, until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Great Flock Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Saving my soul. Oh.